have a new member there, huh? So. Worship team's never invited me to be on the team, so I don't know. I don't know what that means exactly. I'll explain it to you later. You'll explain it to me later. If you're new here, then you understand why I'm not on the worship team. You don't understand why I'm not on the worship team, maybe. But we want to welcome you here. If it's your first or second or third time, and if you've never filled out a yellow card, we actually are getting our welcome center together, and please take the time. There's some yellow cards, and we'd love to have you fill it out. You just pop it, uh, or just leave it right there on the desk, and we will get it, because we're very thankful that you are here with us this morning. Also, I just want to Again, re-emphasize prayer. There's nothing more important than prayer, especially the day and time we're living in. Prayer is exceedingly important. And uh, so always on first Wednesday, we have prayer from 6.30 to 7.30. It's a great time of just worshiping the Lord, and then uh, we just seek him. And so if you've never been to a Wednesday night prayer meeting, I really challenge you, really challenge you to come to that. It, it, it'll, it, it can be life-changing, uh, it's just that important. Also, if you are, you know, been coming for a while, you don't have a church home, we are having not this next Sunday, but on the 17th, we are having a, as Jeff said, kind of a, a welcome lunch. And it's just my opportunity, leadership's opportunity to get to know you a little bit better, to share what's happening here at Bethlehem Community Church. And if nothing else, you just get a free lunch out of it. And that's really why I go, because it's a free lunch. And uh, so, no, we really want to, you know, welcome you to that. So put that on your calendar if you've just been looking for a church home. And so this morning, we're kind of celebrating Baptism Sunday, Baptism Sunday. And I've entitled the message, Coming Out. And now a lot of people, you know, had other thoughts about what that was going to be about. But again, see, that's context, context, context. And when you understand the context, you'll understand the coming out's a little bit different maybe than you thought. Father... In all seriousness, uh, I think it's a fabulous morning because we have six people who are going to be identifying with Jesus Christ, and that's an awesome thing. And so before we do that, Lord, I think it's just appropriate that we talk a little bit about baptism and, and what it means. And maybe after someone hearing the message and even seeing what's going on, they're going to want to jump up and get into the baptismal, and that's okay, too. And so I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill me. You would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. We don't need a word of man. We need your words this morning. I ask for your blessing upon each and every single person here. I believe that you drew them here this morning. May they receive what you intended for them to receive by either what they hear, what they have sung, or what they're going to see in the baptism. And so I'm just so thankful that Jesus is going to be exalted. And I'm so thankful for the lives that are going to be touched and changed because of this morning. And I just give you the praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. question right out of the chute is, have you made that declaration? Have you made that declaration? You know, Jesus is pretty serious about this, and we're going to see that this morning. If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if, if you through the Holy Spirit, have come to a point where you recognize why Jesus died on the cross. He was dying for you. He was dying for me. He was taking our place so that we wouldn't have to experience the horrors of hell. And we could be reconnected back to the Father. If you supernaturally understood that and you would consider yourself a believer, 
then Jesus wants you to be baptized. Jesus wants you to be baptized. In fact, some of his final words are found in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 through 20. We should kind of know this by now. And uh, it goes, all authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So in other words, that's very important for us to understand that Jesus has all authority because what he's going to tell us to do next is possible because he has all authority. He says, I want you to go. I want you to go to your unsafe family members. I want you to go to your neighborhood. I want you to go to your place of work where people don't know you and make disciples. Now, do you know that part of the disciple-making process is actually having the privilege of sharing Jesus and leading someone to Christ? And if you ever had that privilege of leading someone to Christ and there's nothing more exciting than that, then Jesus says, the first thing that I want that person to do is to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then after that, He says, I want you to teach these new disciples to obey all that I have taught. So that's the discipleship process. That's what he wants us to do. I I, I think Jesus is crystal clear. He's saying that if I'm a believer and you're a believer, if you're a true follower of Jesus, then the first thing that we need to do is we need to be baptized. We need to identify with them. In fact, that was really the practice of the early church. If you read the book of Acts, you find out that a person gets saved. A person all of a sudden realizes who Jesus is. And, and I mean, they're super excited, which you should be, by the way. I mean, if you really genuinely have gotten saved, you should, it's the most exciting moment in your life. All of a sudden, the weight of sin, the weight of guilt is just lifted off of your shoulders. I mean, you already think you're in heaven. And the next thing you see them doing is they're looking for water. And wherever the water is, they, they just get baptized. They just get dunked right then and there, wherever the water is. And in fact, we always see in the early church, at least, that it's public. Skip, can you put up the picture? There it is. It's always public. You know why it's public? Because Jesus wants us to publicly identify with him. In fact, it says this in Matthew chapter 10. Skip, can you put up these verses? These are critical verses. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny you before my Father in heaven. Don't imagine that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be in your own household. Now, I want to make two quick points about these verses right here. Number one, Jesus is controversial. The true Jesus, I'm not talking about the Americanized, sanitized, Santa Jesus. I'm talking about the true Jesus is controversial. And I mean, you either love him or you hate him. It's kind of like Donald Trump that way. You either love Donald or you hate him. The only problem is I think Donald thinks he's Jesus, but that's another message. (laughs) But let's make no mistake about it. Jesus is controversial. In fact, he's so controversial that he divides households. I mean, we think, hey, wait a minute. I thought this is a loving Jesus. What's the deal here? How can he divide households? Huh? How can he do that? I'll tell you how he can do it. Because Jesus, when you place your faith and trust in him, you're declaring your total allegiance 
to him. Amen. You're declaring total allegiance to him. Let me just kind of give you an example. Think about a woman. I th- I'm thinking about a woman, a particular woman. She came to place her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you know what happened next? She went home and it was World War III. Literally, it was World War III there because, you see, her husband wasn't so wild about that. He had previously kind of been the god of the house, you know, the king of the house. And he didn't like it that suddenly his wife was now giving total allegiance to Jesus and making him king and making him God. Now, what the guy didn't understand, actually, is that his wife, in giving her life to Jesus Christ and making him God and making him Lord, was actually going to be a better wife. You know why? Because she was going to learn how to love. She was going to learn how to respect the jerk. I mean, her husband. Jesus is controversial. The reason why he's controversial and he does divide households is because he demands 100% allegiance to him. The second thing I want us to see about these verses is this. It was Easter Sunday at a particular church. This was actually many years ago. And after service, you know, if you go to the churches back in, you know, like the 50s and the 60s, the pastor would actually stand at the door and everyone would go, wonderful. You're a wonderful pastor. Wonderful. I was thinking about trying that myself again. You're just awesome. <laughs> I never quite understood that. But anyhow, this pastor sees this one guy coming in the line and he grabs his arm and he pulls him to him. And the pastor looks and he pulls him aside and the pastor looks him at the eyes and he says, you know, you need to join the Lord's army. And the man's kind of taken aback by that. And he says, Pastor, I already am in the Lord's army. And this kind of shocked the pastor. And he said, why do I only see you then on Christmas and Easter? We affectionately call them priesters. And the man then whispered to the pastor, because I'm in the secret service. (laughs) I want you to know this morning, there is no secret service. God does not have a secret service. In fact, we just got done celebrating Easter. We just got done celebrating Resurrection Sunday. We just got done celebrating Good Friday. And there's a portion of Scripture that a lot of people miss. It's a great portion of Scripture. Skip, can you put it up? Mark chapter 15, it says this. This all happened, meaning Jesus' crucifixion, his arrest and whatnot. It said, this all happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath. As evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Joseph was an honored member of the high council, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Okay, now we're told this in John chapter 19. So what was the risk Joseph of Arimathea was taking? Skip, put that up. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. Now let me harmonize these texts for you because it's fantastic. What this is saying is that Joseph of Arimathea was a member of the Sanhedrin. That was the highest ruling body in Jerusalem. 
It would be kind of like you seeing one of your senators from New York. Do you know who your senators are from New York? Anybody? That's awesome. I guess you're practicing 1 Timothy 2, praying for your leaders. That's awesome by name. Christian Gillibrand, Charles Schumer, okay? You may not agree with them, but they still need prayer, by the way. All right, so Joseph of Arimathea is that kind of guy. I mean, he's big. He's powerful. People know who this guy is, all right? Now, there's a problem. You know what the problem is? The Sanhedrin, the body of 70, condemned Jesus to death on the cross. And my guess is Joseph of Arimathea was there not that night. And he's probably thinking, wrong decision, guys. Wrong decision. Wrong decision. But does Joseph say that out loud? No. Have you ever known that something's wrong? That something is contrary to the will of God, but you don't speak up. You don't speak up for Jesus. I think Joseph did that. And you know what? God wouldn't have any of that. God wasn't going to have any of that. And so you, you know why? Because God doesn't have a secret service. Say that. God doesn't have a secret service. So you know what I think he made Joseph do? I think he said this to Joseph. Joseph, it's time for you to come out of the closet. It's time for you to come out of the closet. Declare your allegiance to me by declaring your allegiance to Jesus and that you do believe that he is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. He is God in the flesh. you got to make a decision now, Joseph. You're going to come out of the closet or not? And we are told that Joseph went to Pilate. That's a very public act, by the way. And then he takes Jesus' body and he places it in the tomb. And you can bet your bottom dollar everyone in Jerusalem knew exactly what Joseph of Arimathea did. God will not let the true believer remain a secret disciple. He's going to force you. He's going to force me to come out the closet and we got to make a stand for him. We've got to make a stand for him at some point. And trust me, it will cost you. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, it's going to cost you. He says, count the cost. And I'm going to tell you, it did cost Joseph of Arimathea. I have no doubt that he got the left foot of fellowship from the Sanhedrin. So it does cost. There is a cost. Well, in closing... I want to answer the question, why is baptism so important to Jesus? Why is it so important to God? The first reason is this. The person that you're going to see coming in here is making a public declaration. You know what that public declaration is? Let me tell you what that public declaration is. It's this. They're telling you, I reject the world. I reject the world's philosophy. I reject the world's values. I reject the world's priorities. The world is a dead end, and it ultimately leads to death. I want you to know this morning, I believe in Jesus. I believe in his coming kingdom. I am identifying with him. And I want you to know, from this moment forward, my goal, my goal in life is to know him, to become like him, and to make him known. That's what the person's 
who get baptized are doing. That's the first reason why it's so important to Jesus that we get baptized. Let me give you the second reason. The second reason is this. You are taking Galatians 2.20, which I, I would tell you it should be like a life verse. Galatians 2.20. This is an extremely important verse. And baptism is a picture of Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 goes like this. I have been crucified with Christ. Did you realize that? If you're you're really a born-again believer and a follower of Jesus, you've been crucified with Christ. Don't ask me how it happened 2,000 years ago. But somehow you and I were nailed to that cross. And so as you see the person going down and being laid in the water, they're telling you, I have been crucified with with Christ. Yet, the rest of the verse goes, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Jesus Christ living through me. So as they're coming out of the water, they're saying, I am telling you, I know that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead and he is now living in and through me. Amen. You know what that means? Jesus is not the person's co-pilot. Stupid bumper sticker. Jesus is the person's pilot. He's now driving the car. Some of us, you know, need to stop ourselves, stop our car. We need to get out of the driver's seat, go around to the passenger seat, and let Jesus drive the car. You see, the Christian life is Galatians 2.20. And when a person is getting baptized, they're telling you, I recognize now that I'm, I, I'm dead. Whoever I was, I'm gone. I'm dead. Jesus, I recognize, is resurrected from the dead, and now he's living in and through me, and I'm going to be like him. He's going to be driving my car from now on. And so what you're going to watch this morning, one by one, one by one, as these people go in and out, they're making those two declarations. God bless them. Father, pray now that we're just prepared. Our hearts are somewhat just prepared to really watch what's going to happen here. I mean, some profound, profound statements are going to be made by six people. May our lives be forever changed by what we see in the boldness of these six people. Amen.